Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Bullyproof. I am Marilise de Villiers-Basson, your host. I'm a mindset and performance coach, best-selling author of Roar, How to Tame the Bully Inside and Out, and the founder and CEO of Roar, Coaching and Consulting. Here at Roar, we are passionate about people living successful, fulfilled, and healthy lives. It really is about making your whole life work. In today's episode, we are going to look at mental and emotional well-being through a male lens and what it takes to be a female ally. And I'm delighted to welcome Hannah Tufts as my guest today. Hannah is the owner of Exhale Global. She's a cybersecurity awareness specialist content marketing strategist and digital well-being coach. Hannah has now settled in Spain with her partner and is mum to a two-year-old toddler and mini Dutch hund. Hannah is also super self-motivated and she thrives under pressure. She is on a mission to get creative with neuroscience as a way of changing behaviours. We live in a constantly connected world, yet people have never felt more disconnected. You're listening to Bullyproof, a podcast to shine a spotlight on workplace bullying, today's silent epidemic. Research indicates that 75% of workers will either be a target, witness bullying, or both. Each episode will explore how targets can bullyproof themselves and how leaders and HR can bullyproof their organizations. It's time to find your roar. Now, here's your host, Marilise de Villiers. So, Hannah, hello. It's nice to, nice to have you with me today. Hi, Marilise. It's fantastic to be here. A real privilege. Thank you. But, Hannah, why don't you tell us a little bit just about you, Hannah, the person, and what you're passionate about? Sure. Okay. Thank you. So yes, you've covered it really well. Um, I do wear many hats and often when people check out my profile online, they kind of come away with more questions than answers because, um, yeah, variety is definitely the spice of life for me. I like to mix it up and um, I don't like to kind of limit myself when there are so many fantastic opportunities in this space. So my core is uh, cybersecurity awareness and education, as you explained. Um, I'm a content strategist and brand and marketing strategist, so they kind of all come together. And I work specifically with the cybersecurity industry um, to deliver content in many, many shapes and forms. Um, and I also more recently have been studying uh, the neuroscience that's really involved in our kind of habits and behaviours when it comes to technology. Um, and weaving in the kind of cybersecurity messages into that field as well. I find it completely fascinating. And um, it's really encouraging, actually, that I'm seeing greater and greater appetite for this approach in cybersecurity awareness. Um, it's about time that we kind of changed things up and started doing things a little bit differently. Um, yeah, I think that kind of sums it up. I totally, totally agree. I mean, as a, as a fellow uh person in in the space uh, cybersecurity awareness and culture and education as you say um absolutely the whole 
understanding how the brain works, so the neuroscience and how important that is in terms of how we um, communicate and how we engage people around the, the, the importance of cybersecurity is, is absolutely key. And I'm so excited to hear a bit more from you about, um, about that and, and how, how we apply that uh, neuroscience. And, 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 and actually, it's not just in the cybersecurity context, it's in everyday life, but I know you're very passionate about it, particularly in a digital context and how we actually use technology and make it, make it work for us um, as opposed to becoming a slave to technology. Would you like to say a little bit more about that? Yeah, exactly. You've hit the nail on the head. So I was going to expand as well to say that you're right. It's not just about cybersecurity. And, and I kind of, I guess part of my intention is to break that sense down that cybersecurity is something separate to everything else. You know, it's absolutely part of our digital life, our lives are so digital we are completely reliant on that connectivity mm -hmm. and therefore cybersecurity just forms part of that so bringing in that kind of new pers perspective approaching it from that kind of neuroscientific angle really helps draw the connections between yeah these are behaviors and habits in the context of technology the cybersecurity element is almost a byproduct um, but one that is essential Absolutely. And I wanted to specifically pick up on the um, sort of um, angle you and I agreed to talk about today, which is really around, um, you know, looking at mental health and, and particularly through a male lens. We thought that would be interesting because I think um, it really is about the ability to how, how do you really regulate your thoughts and emotions and how do you actually express that? And, and we know sort of traditionally that, you know, we, we don't often see men really talk about their feelings that much and so we wanted to really dive a little bit deeper into that today I want to sort of say just uh, you know for the benefits benefit of the viewers and the listeners you know here at Roar, we are very passionate about, you know, people speaking their truth. And uh, Hannah is very brave today and very courageous today to really come and share with us some of her more personal story as well in this space. Um, so, Hannah, just want to sort of say well done for bringing your Roar <laughs> today and having this con con conversation with us. But why why were, were you so keen um, to kind of explore this uh, this sort of looking at mental health through a male lens and, and what it takes to be a female ally. Sure. So I think there are actually a couple of different um, reasons why it felt like this was the perfect topic to discuss today. Um, and actually, it's not just through a male lens. It is, you know, I know it's a bit cliche right now, but it's kind of through a pandemic lens as well, because it's been this experience of kind of lockdown and this forced being forced into a different kind of routine and a different way of working and sustaining relationships that some more kind of um, aspects of, of this whole thing has come to light for me uh, so I think the first one is around you know more recently well I guess in the last six months or so I am delighted to have had the opportunity to get in front of a more kind of male professional audience in cybersecurity to talk really openly about our well-being. And that's, you know, it's very much just this is talking to the cybersecurity community about opening up about these topics, which traditionally, yeah, we do find 
um, difficult to be honest and open about, especially in a professional setting. You know, we're always kind of concerned that actually opening up about our feelings is going to negatively impact on other people's perception of us. And especially if you're somebody like me who's running their own business and, and everything kind of depends on your reputation and the energy that you bring, the last thing that you want to do is project that, you know, maybe you're struggling a little bit because you mm-hmm. think that it's going to have a negative impact on your business and your success um so getting in front of that audience has been really really exciting and kind of revelationary and it's just great to see actually what is quite a small audience at the moment continue to grow um kind of very gently and gradually which I like where people are feeling more and more comfortable in this space to just kind of say that yeah you know we recognize that okay we feel like we're talking about first world problems but we have got struggles and um they're completely valid you know and and it's and it's good to talk i think you know that's actually mm. what it comes down to is is it's opening up and not kind of um bottling things up which yeah. men especially are quite comfortable and kind of conditioned to do secondly yeah kind of coming back to the sort of pandemic um lens Uh, I think, you know, kind of being able to observe different working relationships in the context of the pandemic, in the context of uh, people's differing circumstances and situations in lockdown at home, perhaps they are juggling a really busy family life, perhaps they're on their own and their family are not present in the background. And actually looking at how those kind of background activities influence our professional interactions and professional relationships, Um, especially during a time where there have been lots of different volatile situations going on in companies around reorgs, restructures, different dynamics that um, we've been, all of us have been feeling our way in terms of how we actually deal with these new situations and conversations Uh, when we're not physically in the office together. Mm. Absolutely. And I think it's very important to um, acknowledge that um, creating that safe space, you know, I think I I love this um, community that we're creating, um, especially in the cybersecurity space, where we're normalizing the conversation and it's okay not to be okay and it's okay to say it out loud and I think um, this is this is really where um, I'm, I'm excited to see um, the, the the sort of progress and and in a way one of the the benefits of the pandemic has been to shine a spotlight in a way on this issue and and people are a, a lot more open and forthcoming about about their struggles I think that's absolutely crucial um what are some of the sorts of things that you have heard and have seen um you know around particular problems people have you know in terms of people saying to you this is how I'm feeling or experiences that people have had that that sort of without obviously naming any names (laughs) that have been disclosed to you okay so yeah I can think of a couple I mean I think something that's really interesting for me is I was used to being 
home-based anyway before the pandemic so a lot of people you know over the past 12 months or so have found it um, a really unique experience to maybe meet a new team or start a new role and not have an actually met their colleagues face to face whereas for me this is really normal and this is where those kind of digital comms um, come in massively like I am completely able to form really close uh, bonds with people purely through digital communication you know I'm, I'm familiar with it and in actual fact I think sometimes perhaps we open up even more quickly when we're kind of in in that circumstance you know you're more inclined to maybe set up a whatsapp group and inevitably that starts to just feel a lot more informal to yeah. to if you were kind of starting a new role and heading into an office every day and kind of keeping your guard up until you've figured out okay can I really be my full self here um you know do I need to kind of wait a little bit longer before I before I really kind of bear all um but I think so from that perspective there's been almost like a shared understanding I think that's been a positive um evolution or, or change that we've seen as a result of the pandemic where we're more inclined to open up about um, struggling with whether it's workload or struggling with another kind of um, factor in our personal lives that's kind of impacting our ability to perform as we want to be seen to perform at work um, and actually it seems like those conversations are happening quicker than ever which is a really positive thing. On the other hand I've also kind of I guess um, observed more kind of situations or been an, been a third party played an indirect role in situations that have definitely um, you know the fact that we've not been able to be in that same physical space together read one another's body language especially conversations between men um, where those have been more negative experiences they have. Uh, I think manifested lots of underlying kind of issues that have been going on in the background that actually it takes a female lens to kind of break down and start to work out, okay, what's really going on here? I don't want to fall into stereotypes or making assumptions, but it's very much about tapping into what's going on beneath the surface here and um, often remembering that kind of bullying behavior or that kind of that kind of negative behavior is coming from a place of hurt itself mm. absolutely and uh, I, I I say this a lot in and when I speak to people that you know the abusers or the bullies are victims of their own self-hatred um, and their own pain as well so if you feel the need to treat to treat someone else with disrespect and disdain you um you're obviously a very, very un unhappy person deep down in, inside as well. I mean, unfortunately, you know, you've you've sort of very, very well contrasted the sort of the positives and the, unfortunately the sort of the darker, the darker side of, of all of this. But, you know, the whole the whole experience, I think, with um, 
uh, sort of bullies in the workplace, uh, ironically, with with COVID has also kind of come to the fore a lot more. I think um, people have really shown their true colours in a way where, you know, you don't know, you don't have control, you're stressed, you're tired, and all these behaviours come to the fore. And it's not necessarily always toxic and malicious. It's not, the intention is not necessarily bad, but unfortunately, the impact on people has been quite severe and you've mentioned all the the reorganizations and you know job losses and all of that stress you know accumulates and and really does sort of translate into very interesting behaviors so what I want to tap into next with you is really to understand kind of what happens in the brain when we have that stress response you know when we are in a situation where we don't feel in control where we are in a pandemic, um, what actually happens in the brain and, and really helping people understand how they can actually regulate that better. Okay, cool. So, yeah, I mean, I guess, and I just want to kind of caveat that I am not a qualified neuroscientist by any means. I wish I was. Can I interrupt? <laughs> Maybe <for> one day. <laughs> I um, I always mm. say to people, like, I'm not a qualified psychologist either, but I'm a practical psychologist because I've had the life experience. And I think in a way, sometimes that is as valuable, um, you know, because you know, you know how it feels and you know what what you had to do to get through to the other side. So, but yeah, it's good to, it's good to do the medical qualification. <laughs> Always good. So, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for um, quietening my inner bully there. Um, so, okay. I mean, I think this kind of really reverts back to quite our basic instincts around survival. Um, you know, we've all talked about this word a lot. It's been surviving this pandemic actually in a very literal sense in, in some cases, you know, unfortunately. Um, and there's been lots of discussion around kind of survival versus thriving. And I think it's not until you can get more of a conscious understanding of, okay, what is actually going on inside here? You know, we are not just, again, you know, it's it's tapping into what's beneath the surface. We are not just kind of um, skin deep. We are much more than that. And we are constantly, constantly changing, just like the environment around mm-hmm. us. All of those kind of hormones that are active, um, that change every single day of the month and the year. And that applies to everybody. So looking at it from a more kind of basic perspective around, um, yeah, our our instinct to survive and, okay, how are we kind of dealing with the challenges that are around us? Well, our, I mean, I I think it's appropriate to kind of talk about our happy hormones in this um, instance, uh, which are the four kind of dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin and Um, endorphins and uh, unfortunately I think a lot of us have not done so well at triggering our endorphins throughout the last Mm. kind of 12 months or so Um, of course they have a a direct impact on the others but we'll talk more about kind of the other three today Um, and I think going back to kind of what you were saying before um, you're saying how you know some of these behaviors have really come to the fore in these circumstances and I think that that is 
um, we've perhaps found that our motivations are a little bit different. Like when we're in a different circumstance, in a different environment, we inevitably behave a different way. And there are lots of neuroscientific studies to demonstrate that. So when it comes to forming behaviours and habits or rewiring our brains to form new ones quite quickly, changing your environment can be a huge catalyst for that. It can really speed things up. Um, so, of course, it's not surprising that actually changing our physical environment during the pandemic has um, kind of unearthed some different characteristics in us mm. that perhaps before were kind of bottled. Um, so when you're kind of finding yourself in this alien circumstance and you've got all these neurohormones kind of firing, all of a sudden, perhaps what you found rewarding or what you were kind of experiencing more of that um, love hormone from before those things have changed. Your, your sources of kind of experiencing those rewards have changed. And I think it's just about really at a very simple level, being kinder to ourselves and recognizing that there's more going on and giving ourselves a little bit more kind of slack for, um, yeah, you know, we're we're in a challenging circumstance. I'm maybe not dealing with this particularly well. It is safe to speak up and and explain kind of why and what's going on and I don't need to kind of put on a front and the worst thing to do is to put on that front which is actually very defensive and um and doesn't invite those kind of open and honest conversations absolutely and uh, as I said earlier it's okay not to be okay I think it's really interesting when when I listen to you I think there's a um, there's a level of um, awareness that we have because we do all the all the work in inner work, um, which I, I don't know if that's true for everybody. You know, I think we're making an assumption that people do have that sort of self-awareness and are actually able to hold the mirror up. And I think, you know, I always think that that's the first step, isn't it, to actually um, look at yourself and look at, you know, what what am I thinking? What am I feeling? And, and why is that? And actually being open to the fact, fact that we all have a different truth, you know, and we don't, um, we have our own perspective of the world. And as you say, inviting that open conversation is all about being curious about the other person's perspective and, and really opening up to the possibility of that you're actually not necessarily right or your perspective may be um, slightly mis misinformed, um, but it's, it's moving from a, I always talk about a battle of messages, you know, where we're sort of, we're battling. <laughs> we are sort of, um, you know, we go into a conversation, I'm right, you're wrong kind of thing, or, you know, other way around. But it's that sort of, um, how do we move from that to actually a curious, a, a curious mindset and a mindset where you actually really want to learn about the other, other individual? I think it's so important. Yeah. Okay. So, so a couple of things, yeah, based on, on what you've said there. So um, I think what's important, you know, to come back to the, the concept of actually looking at this through a male lens and actually what it takes to be a, a female ally um, to enable that kind of safer, more comfortable space for men to feel comfortable with being more open about their emotional and mental well-being. Um, in order to do that, it's absolutely about kind of recognizing our differences and 
you know, when it comes down to it, okay, that, you know, there is a little bit of science there. We are wired differently. Like we can't deny that, you know, that no matter how much kind of nurture plays a role, nature says that we are wired in a different way. So it's all about kind of breaking down those stereotypes. We can't go in there and suddenly expect men to start to have conversations in a perceived female way. And I'm conscious that we're being quite kind of, you know, black and white is a much kind of grayer spectrum than that. Um, but that's really important. So, you know, first and foremost, almost providing that reassurance to, to our male peers that um, we don't expect you to suddenly kind of change the way that you're you're thinking and, and change the way that you're behaving. Um, but as you were saying, Again, as you say, there was a safe space, creating that sort of safe mm. space and holding that space, not necessarily trying to fix the problem all the time. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think um, kind of going back to um, the, the sort of behaviours piece. Well, I think, you know, being there is an element where you've got to kind of push yourself to a point where, okay, things are not, things are not working. Things are not going so great. This is not comfortable for me. This, you know, these conversations are difficult. I am constantly being faced with, with uh, conflict or, you know, confrontation. And um, it's, that's not really what anybody wants, you know, like we don't really go around seeking conflict. Um, and I think that's when you can start to kind of make a bit of a conscious choice on, okay, can I be a little bit more conscious about what's, what's going on with me, but also what's going on with them, yeah. you know? Um, and I think again, like going back to uh, all of the kind of myriad of, of changes that we've seen occur because of the pandemic and because of our changing circumstances, there is still a sense, um, especially for men, that they've got to uphold a certain kind of professional guise. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, we've seen so many reports about it really coming to light how much um, the typical mother role is balancing. You know, we're mm -hmm. trying to work full time. We're also trying to kind of do all of the domestic um, chores that somehow, you know, subconsciously fall, fall a little bit more in our direction. Yeah. Um, I think from a male perspective, as much as there's a bit more empathy around, yeah, you know, we know that you're juggling stuff too. There's a, still a bit more of an expectation that they're not going to turn up with their kid on their lap, you know, <laughs> at the next kind of conference call. Um, and so kind of there's more to be done around increasing that sense of empathy that actually contributes as well to increasing better kind of gender equality at home and at work that translates onto work um yeah that's so cool um I just I'm just thinking about mm. the examples that I have seen of um you know friends male friends who have been very open about you know I'm a dad I'm I messed up because I'm like I wake up in the middle of the night and it has been so refreshing to see some of those examples as well but I have to say now that you're saying it I haven't really seen any men inviting that sort of personal element into into the zoom room <laughs> um it's 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 been largely a very professional setting and obviously you know 
um, juggling that because I, I mean, I have a, I have four four men in my in my life uh, consistently. So I have um, Scott who works with me, and then I also have Honey, my husband, and the two boys. So I have a house full of men, and um, I'm I'm sort of the only female around apart from Stella, the dog. Um, <laughs> and it's really for me the dynamic is really interesting because I do. I do see those differences you're describing, but it isn't, you know, it is a natural thing. It's just how we are, as you say, just the nature and of of course nurture, but there's so much nature in there as well, isn't there, in terms of just how we are wired differently. So it's fascinating, absolutely fascinating. Exactly. And (laughs) no, I was, I was just going to say, you know, that's absolutely to do with how we, um, instinctively react to challenges yeah. so keeping that in mind I think is the really first step to um, starting to shift our perspective on this topic yeah absolutely so I always I'm always keen to leave people with a few practical tips I mean you've given us so many I think it's just worth kind of summarizing maybe two or three top tips the the, the one thing that really stood out for me is that kindness to self compassion for self and then of course compassion for others I mean there's a there's a concept from counseling theory that I use a lot which is really this positive regard which is um it's all about having positive regard for yourself and for the other person so this whole mindset of I'm okay you're okay so I always encourage people before they go into any conversation to really think about that concept of positive regard for I'm okay you're okay because your framing going into the conversation is just so much different and so much more set up for success if that makes sense yeah totally um yeah no I completely agree and I love that I'm going to take that away from from this session um yeah I mean I think something that you know I'm conscious we we haven't got too much long left but something that we also have heard a lot over the last year or so and that we haven't talked about yet is the idea of resilience and how that kind of comes up against this in a way you know we still are struggling to kind of really um draw the connection between sometimes resilience means kind of curling up in a ball under the duvet and uh, looking after yourself for a day you know when you need it that is also resilience you know resilience isn't only just going out there with your kind of um a game on mm-hmm. and um i think you know facing up to those kind of pressures and those yeah that almost we've almost been conditioned into this uh way of of operating a society where to be resilient is to show up in in speak about strength you know it's it's kind of synonymous with strength again like quite a kind of male influence there quite a kind of macho uh view of of what that really means um and i think you know this has also been a really interesting time to recognize that men are up against a lot of societal pressures to behave and contain their emotions in a certain way um, versus women. And, and I think, you know, whilst, you know, we we all have our kind of stigmas attached to being completely open about these topics, there is more to be done that we can absolutely be female allies on in terms of, okay, yeah, we're very good at reeling off that list of, oh, I've got so much to do. Look at how much I'm juggling every day. What's he doing? But actually there are also a great list of um, 
yeah, things that things that male are ju- men are juggling that we've kind of we've not talked about and we've not kind of given space for in the past. Yeah, absolutely. I'm reflecting on all the conversations that we've had over the last few months. Um, you know, co uh, appearing on sort of webinars and things in in this space, specifically talking about resilience. I think that's that's another session. I think we should set up another session specifically to talk about resilience. But I did um, sort of, I mean, the whole theme of my TED talk was was on resilience, um, which I did last Friday, and. Um, in there, I, I encourage people to think about resilience as, you know, you you imagine yourself being kind of thrown overboard in, in deep stormy waters. The boat is no longer your protection. The only protection you have is your vessel, is your mind and your body. And you really only have two choices. You have to sink or swim. <laughs> and I think that's so important what you're saying about building that mental and physical stamina so that you're always ready to weather those storms. Because let's face it, da- daily life throws storms at us, you know, and we have to face and, 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 and win those challenges. So I love what you said about sometimes resilience is curling up under the duvet and just having a me day as well, because I do think there's a very um, misperception around what resilience actually is. So I love that you've sort of finished on that because I think uh, it's opened up another conversation for (laughs) for another day. But Hannah, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. And um, tell, tell people how they can get in touch with you. Thank you. No, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, Yeah, so you will find me at exhale-global.com where more will become clear about how these different kind of elements that fascinate me really interlink and uh, provide my offering. Um, And you'll also find me on LinkedIn. Um, Just search for Hannah Tufts. Amazing. Thank you so much, Hannah. And thank you, everybody, for watching and listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Um, Until next time. Goodbye. Join us again next time for more essential insights and practical tips on the Bullyproof podcast. We'd love to hear your comments on today's show, as well as suggestions for future topics and guests. Get in touch with Marilise on social media or via her website, www.marilise-de-billiers.com. Don't forget to review and rate this show on iTunes. Thanks for listening.